0: Blog Talk Radio Hello, hello. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech-language pathologist, and you are listening to Teach Me to Talk the podcast. I haven't done the show in a while, and I think i I didn't say what I normally say, but that's okay new year new intro and I'm so excited to be here to begin a new series of shows and let's talk about what will happen over the next mm, eleven, twelve, thirteen weeks here. That's about how far out I think that this series will go, but you never really know until you do it so we're beginning a new series today talking about the skills that a toddler must use before words emerge and before they begin to talk, before they begin to say things purposefully to communicate with others. If you are brand new to the podcast, I want to welcome you. And again, New Year, <laughs> here in 2016, it's our first show of the new year. And again, a whole new opportunity to delve into all things related to late talking. I'm Laura Mize, as I said before. I'm a pediatric speech-language pathologist. My website is teachmetotalk.com, and you can find out tons of information, if you've never been there before, about helping children, whether it's your own child or whether you are a therapist like me, find out all kinds of things that you can do. To help little ones, um, primarily toddlers, and that would be any kid that's just under a year, just at a year, all the way through three or four, all things related to help them learn how to use those precious first words and really understand what what you're saying to them. And then, uh, as most people are more concerned about what they end up saying, so let's talk about how we're going to organize the show over the next several weeks so that you can get a feel for what we're going to be talking about. As I said, we're going to really delve into, dive into all the things that happen before we hear a child begin to talk. Now, we pull these skills from normal development, but here's the truth. All children, whether they talk late or whether they talk on time, consistently do the things that we're going to talk about. And when they're not consistently doing these things, there's a delay. That's why something is going wrong. That's why we're not hearing words emerge at the ages or the times that we would expect. So these skills that we're going to be discussing are what therapists really think about as foundational or basic skills. This means that if any one of these areas is disrupted language, and let's just be really, really honest, potentially other developmental skills are not going to occur on time, or as we would say, they're delayed. Uh, And when I say language is delayed, this means, again, that a kid isn't talking when we would expect those first words to emerge. So if you're new to this and to digging in to try to understand How a child learns how to talk. I want to start with this really basic statement. There's a whole lot that has to happen before you hear that first word. And sometimes we don't think about it that way. Sometimes when a mom hears a child blurt out that first word, you know, she may excitedly, you know, send out a Facebook post or a tweet that says, you know, my baby started to talk today, or she might call her mom or call somebody else that's important to her. But again, that that's not what's really, really happening. It's been the weeks and the months of preparation. And she may not have thought about the, all the things that go into helping her child first learn to say that word. A toddler has to synchronize many, many, many different skills before he's able to produce his first word attempts. whether it's dada or mama or bye-bye or no or any other of those early first recognizable words that we would hear. Sometimes parents think that when a kid doesn't begin to talk on time that there's something wrong with his or her mouth, and in most cases I try to gently tell them that they're blaming the wrong body part. It's really not the mouth. Um, that, that certainly the mouth is a part of that, but more often than not, a child's brain has to do more with talking or not talking than any other system or body part. Now, I'm not going to use this series of shows to try to overwhelm you with a really detailed explanation of neurology, but let's just start with this fundamental statement. Words originate in a child's mind meaning that talking first is a mental task. Now, if you are a discipline other than speech-language pathology, you may not think about words as uh, being a cognitive process or a mental process. And actually, there's a whole body or a whole discipline, uh, another discipline or another approach where words are viewed just like any other behavior, that a child might use. But from for this series of shows, we are going to look at it from a cognitive perspective. Uh dare I say a developmental perspective. So that we're looking at all of those things that have to occur, all of those complex processes that must come together. And again, I don't want to freak you out. I don't want you to think, Oh, this is going to be over my head. I shouldn't listen to this. She's about to get into all this academic blah blah. She's about to talk about, you know, specific uh, brain anatomy, we're not doing any of that. And especially if you're a first-time, if you're a long-time listener, you know we're not going to do any of that, but if this is one of your first couple of times to listen to the show, I want to use as jargon-free language to speak to you and to talk to you about early language development as I can. So let's just break down... And, again, this isn't the specific list of skills I'll be giving you later, but this is just kind of an introduction. Let's talk about the things that a kid has to be able to do before he can tell you a word or before he can talk to communicate what he wants. So let's, let's look at just some of these things that must happen. And, again, this is just from a purely introductory standpoint. We'll get to the specifics later. But first you've got to be able to attend to other people who talk to him. He has to actually hear the word that's spoken to him. So, again, that is a physical function, meaning that we do need to be sure that a child has an audiological evaluation or a hearing test to be sure that that, that little system is working properly, not only does he have to hear the word, he has to link meaning to that word. So he has to understand what you're talking about. When you say ball, he has, he has to eventually know that when you're speaking with that set of sounds that you're referring to the round object that he can bounce and throw and kick or roll across the floor. He has to understand when he hears that word. He has to know what you're talking about. So he has to recognize that symbol. And, again, words are symbols. They stand for something. And a kid has to be able to associate hearing you, what, what you say, hearing the word you say with what you mean, what object or event or person you're referring to. Beyond that, he has to be able to remember it. He he might learn the word ball one day. You might really begin to see, gosh, he understands that. When I said ball, he looked right at it. Or I said, go get the ball, and he ran over and got it. Or, Or he looked back at me. I can just tell by looking at his little face that he understands what that word means. He has to do that, and then guess what? The next time you use that word, he has to remember it. He has to dig in his little brain and, and, and come up with some version of, oh, yeah, I know what that means. I know what mom is talking about here. The other thing he has to do is be able to filter out any other unimportant information that's occurring in the environment at the same time as he's hearing the word. And we all know that that most toddlers are busy. They're, they have lots to do, lots to learn, lots to explore in their environment. And a lot of times the, I'll work with a family and the mom or the dad will say to me, if I could just get him to settle down and listen, I think he would begin to talk because they recognize not even really stopping long enough to give him himself time to learn what I'm talking about. He's not linking meaning with, with words or he's not attending to me long enough to even have a chance to be able to process or understand or or more importantly demonstrate that he has been able to learn what a word means or associate, again, what you've said with what you want him to uh, associate or want him to link or, or understand. Another thing a child has to be able to do is initiate contact with the person he wants to communicate with. So it's not enough just for him to have something to say or for him to have a little message, even if it's nonverbal at this point, to to be able to share that with someone. But he has to know that communication involves more than him. So he has to be able to get somebody else's attention. He has to know how to start that that process of communicating. So, again, initiation is a big, big skill that we're going to be talking about. As we proceed with this series and and finally, <laughs> even though we know that it's a, uh, talking is mostly a, well at the beginning it's a cognitive process, a mental task. he does have to be able to send that message from the specific part of his little brain to to fire those impulses, get those neurons going that eventually get that little word um produced by his mouth. And, again, it's a little bit more complex than that. He has to send up air from his lungs. The air has to vibrate over his vocal cords. You know, when you think about all of that physical part of talking, again, he has to use his core muscle strength to push that air from his lungs. He has to coordinate movements of his soft palate, of his tongues, of his cheeks, of his lips in a way that makes the the sound that he's produced that you use those various consonant and vowel sounds so that you understand what he's trying to say, and you can just hear from the complexity. Well, actually, I try to make it pretty simple there, but but even with that simplistic explanation, that's a pretty complex, complicated process that a kid has to be able to do before you hear those words. I mean, uh, this is what I say all the time to parents, and I've written it over and over and over. Given the sheer enormity of of all the things that have to come together, it's a miracle that any of us (laughs) learns to talk. I mean, do you feel like that as you're a mom, and maybe this is the first time that you're hearing somebody explain it in that way, hear all the things that have to happen, and then you think, well, no wonder he's having trouble. That's hard. That's hard. But here's the truth. Children all over the world every day begin to talk. They begin to use words in every imaginable language. It's a pretty big deal to a child's parents when that is not happening. And if that is you, you have come to the right place. And I'm so happy that I'm going to be able to share information with you and and get you going in the right direction so that you'll perhaps have a better idea of what's going on with your child so that you can get him moving in the right direction. Everybody, every parent anticipates those first words, and we all look forward to that, and it is distressing to most parents when that's not happening because talking, as we realize, is really, really important. Talking the way that a child lets us know what he wants, Lets us know what he's thinking about. Lets us know how he's feeling. You know, it's also how we know what his little finger po- is pointing to on a crowded shelf, right? So when we're when he's trying to get our attention and let us know what he wants, or when a little girl is sobbing uncontrollably and she's looking at something, or gesturing towards something, or pointing towards something, or even even something. On the other end of that emotional spectrum, when they are just laughing hysterically and you have no idea what has caught their attention or what they're laughing at, we often don't know these kinds of things until a child begins to be able to communicate with us and talk with us and tell us, what's going on. Talking is not only how a child communicates with his or her parents or other primary caregivers to let them know what's going on. Talking is also really, really important for helping a child establish relationships or little friendships. Now, you're probably not thinking too much about that if your baby is one or two or three and not talking yet. Uh, So many of our little friends, when we see them with other children, even when they're not talking, we know that they are having a good time laughing and running around and maybe even grunting or gesturing. And, you know, and that is all fine for that first year or so. But once a child turns two, It's as if the bar is really raised and everybody around him expects him to start to be able to talk. And and people do get concerned, you know, not only parents but grandparents, other family members. Maybe if a child goes to daycare, the teachers start to worry after a kid turns two if he's not using words. Even though you haven't thought about the relationship perspective yet with that a kid needs words in order to make his first few little friends, Communication skills are really, really important for helping a child um, begin to develop those friendships and begin to consistently communicate with other kids. It's much, much, much better for a kid to even scream no when another child is trying to take his toy rather than to uh, act aggressively, say they fight over it or they um, hit or bite or pull hair or something like that, and so even as children, even young children who aren't talking by three, by four, by five, parents start to notice they become their their children become a little bit isolated from other kids, and that's not to say that there's not still a big component for nonverbal communication between young children. We all know, we all know that happens, but certainly when words aren't occurring, a kid is at risk for. Um, what a therapist might call social isolation, what a parent might call, gosh, he just doesn't have very many friends because he's not really able to jump in there and play with other kids and and respond to them when they talk to him or or go out on his own and try to get a play routine going. Sometimes the parent will tell me something like, you know, I take my child to the park so that he can be around other kids. But because he's not talking yet, it's like he just kind of stands on the sideline. He doesn't really seem to know what to do. He doesn't know how to approach other kids or how to get their attention or another child might look at him or say something to him and when he doesn't say anything back the other child just walks away and again that can break a mom's heart it kind of breaks my heart thinking about it as I'm relaying that story that so many parents have shared with me. And so talking is really, really important from a social perspective, in addition to the basic communication aspects that we've already talked about with moms and dads. Kids need to learn how to talk so they can talk to other people, too. Talking is also a core skill that's essential for academic success. And, again, you might not be thinking about that for a two-year-old or a one-year-old or a three-year-old or however old your child is. But talking is important for school and for anything that happens in an educational setting. Teachers teach everything, even a subject like math, even something with numbers, <laughs> which you don't think about as language based at all. But how does the teacher teach it? She talks, she uses words, she tells her little students what they need to know, and she expects her kids to be able to respond and to talk back to her and to let her know and whatever word they use, whether they're understanding what what she's saying. So, again, talking is important even for school subjects or academic topics where you don't think words are necessarily involved. They are because communication is a part of everything. And again, some of you may never have thought about talking in those ways before, but it's really, really important to recognize what a complicated process talking is and how important talking is for everyday life. And again, if you're listening to the show My goodness, you already know that. I'm preaching to the choir here because you would not have set aside time in your busy day or or sought extra information. There are a lot of parents of late talkers who, for whatever reason, don't think it's as important as it really is. But I know if you're listening, you're not one of those parents because you took the time to find information that can help you understand what's going on with your own late talker. For most of you listening, or a good majority of you, though, you've thought a lot about talking because you do the same job I do. You're some kind of therapist who focuses on um, early communication skills. You may be a speech-language pathologist like me, so you've spent years and years and years of your life in college studying all of these processes. But beyond that, you continue to think about talking and this, again, complicated process that it is all day every day because that's how you've chosen to spend your life's work so if you're a parent let me go back and talk to parents for a second and you're listening to a show like this you certainly have probably already begun the process of gathering information about language development but you've only done that after you've asked yourself why is talking so hard for my child and let me just go ahead and issue a statement almost a disclaimer (laughs) even though i am really good at my job without meeting your child and talking with you about what the specific issues are with your child i won't be able to let you know after listening definitively what's going on that i will not be able to answer the question what why is my child not talking yet but until i meet your child and neither can anybody else but I want to be able to give you points to consider so that you can move forward. And I want to explain all of these things again that have to occur first so that you're able to fill in those gaps, to answer those questions yourself so that you'll know, aha, this could be it. This is probably why he's not talking yet. And you have to know what could be going wrong before you can begin to address it. Uh, let me let's just talk about something else here that comes up a lot of times as I evaluate children. Sometimes the parent will come in, and they'll say something like, "You know, I'm only here because I'm not that worried about it. But you know, my husband has told me I need to come, or my mom, or my mother-in-law." And they may say something like, you know, I'm not too concerned about this because I know every child is different or I know kids develop at their own pace or I know that I'm not supposed to compare children or anything like that. Let's just talk about some of those statements. A lot of times, you know, first of all, those things are true. But sometimes, in a sense, and we'll we'll unpack that in just a minute, sort of what people mean when they're saying those things, but a lot of people will say these things Uh, to comfort a parent who's really, really worried about a child's development. And then a parent might take that as a reason not to do anything. And, again, this is probably not true for those of you who are listening who are parents because, again, you've taken the time to get information and listen to a show like this. But therapists hear this all the time. Or one parent will be super, super concerned, and they have had to – plead and beg the other parent for weeks or months before um, the other one finally acquiesced and agreed and thought we can go ahead and get our child evaluated. And some of that I think is just normal. It is not, um, gosh, it's just really hard for a parent to think something might not quite be developing as we would hope with a child. And so sometimes parents might use a statement like, well, I'm not going to worry about him because every kid's different. I'm looking at this checklist and it says he should be doing these things and he's not, but I'm not going to worry yet. You know, sometimes a therapist will go to a word like denial and say, gosh, that mom's been in denial or that dad's been in denial. And I really try not to do that because, I think it's pretty normal to want to comfort yourself and to want to not concentrate on the most, you know, uh, on a negative outcome or something that you don't want to see or don't want to happen. So I think it's just kind of normal for a parent at the very beginning of wondering is something going on here to push it to the back of their minds and to, to want to not be worried, um, But, again, there comes a day when you do have to kind of think, ugh, this is kind of crossing the line here where I think that that I do need to be concerned. Let's go back and talk about the things that that I said earlier, those kinds of statements that uh, parents might say or that more often than that somebody else might tell a parent, you know, don't worry, every kid's different or every kid develops at their own rate Or, you know, again, you can't compare him to another two-year-old that you're hearing talk. And that that happens a lot, too. A parent might not be too concerned about um, the lack of words with their own child until they take him to something like a birthday party. Or they just go to another social occasion where they see other people's children who are about the same age and the other child is talking a lot more than their child and then that really starts to cause some angst or some worry where the parents begins to think oh gosh my kid's not talking nearly that well or doesn't know nearly that many words or listen to her she's talking in full sentences and i can't get my kid to say anything let me just tell you um i understand that and i i Understand why a mom would be concerned about that, and I also understand why parents may be a little less concerned, even after hearing something like that, or 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 say their spouse is saying, "Oh, did you hear that kid talk? Our child is not talking nearly that well." Let's just talk about this. While every child is wonderfully unique, and we will, we do know that some children are much more verbal at one and at two than other children. There are patterns of development that occur very, very consistently in all children when they first learn to talk. So we can, no matter when those first words occur, whether they're on time at, you know, in that 12 to 15 month range, or whether they're they've already turned two, or even if they're much later talkers and don't start to talk until they're closer to three we can recognize when these skills start to emerge, and we can identify that a child will likely not be using words yet based on other things, other areas, other milestones that he or she is able to do. And, again, the specific age range for acquiring words, Certainly, or or really any developmental skill can vary from child to child. That overall pattern really doesn't differ that much. So even when we compare young children who talk on time versus children who talk later, even much later than expected, we can look for an overall pattern or an overall General developmental sequence that really, really will be pretty consistent from kid to kid, and the the specific time may change. I mean, one kid may do it at 13 months, one kid may do it at 18 months, and again, even in the range of kids who are typically developing, who are quote unquote normal, we're still going to see some variability there. But my point here is there are there are specific sequences and patterns of skills that we can identify that we can say she's you know if we're speaking about a little girl she's met this one and she's met this one and she's not so great with these couple of skills and that's probably what we need to work on here so that we are much more likely to hear words begin to emerge so let's just again keep that in mind and if you've had someone tell you don't worry because every kid is different or any of those other statements that I gave you and you're looking for a way to <laughs> refute that or <laughs> I don't want to say argue because you're probably not going to go back to that person and say, Aha, I was right. You're probably not going to do that. But you want to settle the issue in your own mind. And let me just say, you are right. there, Even though kids might do it at different rates, different speeds you know some kids are earlier with some skills than others you still are right in your assumption that okay even if he's going to be a later talker i still need something to tell me that he's moving in the right direction and that's what the skills that we're going to talk about later will really really do for you now let's talk about one more kind of common statement or belief that speech-language pathologists and other early intervention professionals hear other parents talk about. Everybody who's ever been the parent of a late talk, heard a story, you know, they'll be talking to their mom or the neighbor or their aunt or, you know, somebody in line at the grocery store, wherever, and you'll somehow it'll come up that your child isn't talking yet. And then somebody wants to tell you about some other kid that they know who didn't talk until he was five or eight or seventeen or you know, something like that, who turned out to be a genius. Please, please, please know that is highly unusual. You know, there was a book several years ago called The Einstein Effect or something like that, something with the title of Einstein in the book. And and I understand why so many parents of late talkers really, really wanted to hold on to that belief and think, aha, that's not that's it, that's why my kid isn't talking. He's really, really, really a genius. And I'm not saying that that doesn't ever occur, but just know that that's highly, highly, highly unlikely um, or or w- a really low probability. So please don't hang on to a myth like that. It's also highly, highly, highly unlikely that a, a one or two or three-year-old who hasn't begun to use single words will wake up the next morning talking in full sentences. Sometimes, you know, you'll hear somebody try to tell you a story like that and again i'm not saying that never happened just please know that in my 22 years of experience as a speech language pathologist and you know as a mom and as a as a friend of other other people who have children you know that just that really doesn't happen very much so i'm not telling you these things to hurt your feelings, or to break your heart or anything like that, I'm just sharing with you and talking about out loud things that you may be holding on to as a mom or as a dad or or um, as a therapist, things that you'll hear parents, uh, parents say. And sometimes parents will say things to me like, you know, I just really, really thought that was going to happen. So. I've been worried about him for six months, but I haven't done anything about therapy because I just hoped that the next day he would wake up and just, you know, really be able to talk to me. I just, I just, I always knew, or I would, I had one mom one time tell me that, you know, I would lie down every night in my bed and I would just pray and pray and pray that when I went into his room the next day, he would just pop up from his crib and say, hi, mama, how are you? Or, or began just to use words when he had not done it. And language development really, really doesn't occur like that. There are so many things that we can look at that are certainly predictive that tell us that a child is making progress and is on the right track. And on the other end of that, we know when it's not likely to happen yet. The good thing is, though, when you know what those skills are and what those milestones are or the areas of weakness or that are not as solidly developed, you can work on them. So please know that by listening to this series of shows, you are doing something as a parent very, very, very valuable. You're getting the information you need to be able to help your child. And, again, if you're a therapist listening to this, you'll perhaps learn some new things to say as you're coaching parents and as you're meeting parents and working with families and helping them through this process. Now, before we get going with the specific skill list, let's also review some other background information and talk about what's normal and what's not normal in language development just so that we can all get on uh, the same page. Now, again, as a parent, this might be new information for you, or new material, and I think it's really, really, really important for parents to know what's normal so that you can determine for yourself how you think your child is doing because sometimes, again, we have unrealistic expectations. We may, you know, I get emails at com all the time from parents who will say something, you know, my child is 10 months old and she's not said any words yet. Should I be worried? That's a mom who has a little bit of an unrealistic expectation. We know that, you know, and I I just want to say, even without looking at the child, without knowing what's going on, which isn't always the best idea, but here's my point. Me saying to the mom of a 10-year-old or 10-month-old, I'm sorry, you know, hold on there a minute. You know, 10 months is really, really, really early for you to be so concerned. And I'm not saying that you wouldn't recognize red flags in a 10-month-old for potentially for a child who's having some developmental issues or delays. I'm not saying that at all because we certainly are able to point those out. But at the same time, I wouldn't want that mom to be unnecessarily worried about a 10-month-old. So with the, let's do the opposite of that, which is more often what happens, I think, with late talking. Let's say we have the parent of a 30-month-old, so a two year old who's not using any words at all. And maybe they're not concerned about it. They haven't had experience with other children, don't have other kids in the family. You know, this is maybe a first child. Um, they don't have close relatives, uh, like I said, you know, with um, you know other kids that they can kind of see on a regular basis, and maybe they just haven't been worried about that at all. And so when the doctor says to them, for a two and a half year old, how many words is is he using? And the mom says none, and the doctor says, what? You know, uh, or hopefully the doctor says that the doctor gets very very concerned. Maybe the mom hasn't realized that a a two-and-a-half-year-old should have hundreds of words if they're typically developing. We have to know what's normal so that we can gauge our reactions and our responses and, more importantly, develop a plan, again, so that we know should we be worried about this, be worried about this, should we not be worried about it, should we be taking more um, consistent, proactive action again. (laughs) That must be my word of the day. Should I be doing something about this? We have to know what's normal and what's not so that we know when to be concerned. And, again, this is background information. If you're a professional, especially if you're a speech-language pathologist like me, this is not new information unless you are new to pediatrics or, on the, you know, when you haven't reviewed these developmental milestones. And I get a lot of email from therapist who say, I worked with school age children and now I'm doing early intervention and this is such a nice refresher for me or or gosh, somebody who's making an even bigger jump, someone who's worked with adults their entire career and now they're coming to early intervention and working with toddlers and preschoolers. And so this may be a great refresher course for you. You have forgotten all that stuff you learned about typical speech language development. Some of us, though, here's here's another scenario. We may have worked with children delays for so long that it is so easy to become accustomed to children who do not talk. So that when you've been a therapist for a long time and and you work with nonverbal kids or minimally verbal kids, especially at the beginning, you know, kids with a delay. After all, you know that's fine. You're seeing them, and then you see a two year old who is talking. I mean, sometimes we react. You know, we're completely surprised. We're just, you know, befuddled. We just look at them like, "Oh my gosh, you're you talk, you're too," you know. We just completely freak out. We think she's a genius. She she's using all these words. Oh my goodness! So again, as a parent, you may not understand that, or may even think that that's a little, um, you know, insensitive for me to give an example like that. But if you're a therapist, you certainly understand it because. We hang around kids who are, again, not not using as many words, and that's the reason that we're seeing them. And so we become shocked when we are confronted with typical language development. So let for all of those reasons, whether you're a parent and trying to determine what's normal or a therapist and need to remind yourself constantly every single day what normal is that's why we're going to go through this next set of information. But let me talk specifically to parents for a minute uh, who are listening. And I want to do this because, again, if you've gotten a little bit offended or if your feelings were hurt with that previous example, I so apologize because I would never want to share anything that's hurtful to you. And I, I know there are some moms who are thinking, you know, oh, just don't point out again to me how behind he is. That is just so upsetting and unsettling to me. And I get it nobody likes to be reminded time and time again that something is wrong and I understand that Uh, you know if you're a mom listening or a dad listening and and this is what I do when I'm sharing this kind of information about normal milestones or typical development with parents you know there have been times in the past where I've realized or I've sensed as I'm talking about this kind of thing that there's discomfort or anxiety or again that I've inadvertently hurt somebody's feelings by sharing this information. This is when I squeeze their hand or reach over and pat their leg or give them a hug or, you know, however familiar I am with them <laughs> or or if I think that that's appropriate. This is what I always say to those parents. Kids improve. Kids get better. Even children who have significant developmental delays get better kids learn kids grow kids mature every kid every kid even those with severe 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 challenges can grow and learn and get better and no situation is ever hopeless and here's another truth most children if we're looking at the big 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 picture Most kids do learn to talk. And, again, even those with really severe delays do eventually make progress. Now, while we certainly can't guarantee that every child catches up completely, and, again, we can't, I don't have a crystal ball. Even when there's a family that I'm working with, we really can't with 100% certainty say he will talk or she for sure will be using words in the next six months. We just can't do that. But here's what I do know. Most kids, and again, we're looking at the overall kind of big, big, big group of children, will eventually learn to communicate or or make some progress. And if I did not believe that with every fiber of my being, please know that I would not have devoted my entire life, (laughs) my whole career, uh, to working with children with communication challenges. So I always say that to parents to give them some sense of relief. And, again, we can't guarantee to any mom or dad, and I certainly can't guarantee to anybody listening, you know, I I don't know your child. I don't know the diagnosis. I don't know the situation. I don't know what's happening. But, But my point here is know that there's hope. Know that there's a good chance that things will move along. And certainly, again, this is what I say to parents who I feel like that I have Um, maybe taking their hope away when when that was not my intention at all. All right, so, and again, let me just say here, because I've just said that whole previous paragraph about, you know, kids getting better and um, most, nearly all children will make some progress, even if they don't catch up completely, don't mistake that for me saying that like talking is no big deal or that it's nothing to be concerned about or that we should just wait and see. I'm not saying that at all. Experience has taught me again and again and again and again that complacency and essentially doing this nothing or the same thing over and over and over and not getting any kind of measurable improvement is not what we want to do with kids. <laughs> doing nothing is always wrong. And, again, I I know that there may be really, really rare exceptions to that, but just know it would be a rare exception. We've got to do something different to help our little guys who are having difficulty learning to um, understand and use words. Um, I also want to make sure that when I'm saying, you know, most late talkers will eventually talk, that's just so that you can rationally examine where your child is now. You can calmly determine what you can do to help I want you to be able to consistently apply the new strategies that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. And honestly, the first big thing that I look for for parents that I'm working with directly, I want them to eagerly and expectantly look forward to the day when their child will begin to use words. And I want them to know, hey, that's going to happen usually sooner, (laughs) Because you put a plan in place. And I always want to empower parents with that information so that they feel like, hey, I can do something here. I don't have to just sit around and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and hope this is going to happen. There are things that I can do today to be proactive in helping my child learn to use language. So with that reassurance, let's look at the milestones so that we know where a kid stands right now today. And even though I've already talked about how complex communication is and what all the complicated things that have to happen in that process, looking at the number of words a kid says to determine his or her expressive vocabulary is a good place to begin. And, again, this is just kind of our initial snapshot of how a child is developing. And let's just look at or talk about, or for you, it would be listen to the data that I'm going to share that tells us the approximate number of words in an average or typically developing child's vocabulary by age. So, and again, I'm not saying this to hurt your feelings. If you're a parent who's really listening to this information for the first time, again, I just want you to know what's normal or what's expected so that you can make sure that what you want and what you, what you know is correct so that we're all on the same page. So by 12 months, old, by the day a baby turns one, we want that child to have two to six words other than mama or dada. And let me give you the reference for this. This information comes from Linguist Systems Guide to Communication Milestones. It's the 2012 edition. And you can find that at linguasystems.com. And Linguist Systems is a big uh, producer of therapy materials and tests just if you're not a speech pathologist or if you're another therapist or a parent not familiar with that company. But they've taken the research, gathered studies, looked at what we know about typical development, and compiled all of this information. And, again, this is just so that we're all on the same page. So by 12 months, we want at least a couple of words, a handful of words, two to six words. By 15 months, we want a child to be saying 10 words. By 18 months, 50 words. Now let's talk about this for those of you who are therapists. You may be saying, "But Laura, my test says that um, by 24 months a child should be using 50 words." That's any time we use a milestone on a test. That's the the outlier. That's the last, the 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 kind of the the latest age range where a kid would still be considered typically developing. What we're looking for here is the average or kids who are at that 50th percentile, so kids who are right smack in the middle. So we know from years and years and years and years and years of studying language development that by 18 months, children who are typically developing or or doing well with their language skills use 50 words. By 24 months, an average 2-year-old at that second birthday, is using 200 to 300 words. And again, if you're a parent, a 24-month-old, who doesn't have any words, that's going to be really distressing for you and or disturbing, whatever adjective you want to use there. And I get that. Don't panic yet. Remember, we're just looking at this so that we can get an idea of typical development or what's normal. By 30 months, so this would be two and a half years old, we want 450 words. By 36 months or three years, 1,000 words, let me say that again, three-year-old who's used, who's typically developing will use 1,000 different words. 42 months, so three and a half, about 1,200 words. And then by the fourth birthday, children are who are typically developing are using 1,600 different words on average. And again, when I share this information with parents who are already concerned about their child's vocabulary or lack of vocabulary, (laughs) they may become even more panicked. And again, that's when we talk about the broad range of normal. This is where the phrase, every kid develops differently, kind of comes in because we know that there are children who are typically developing and who, who are going to go on and have no issues at all who will talk less than uh, or, or use less words than the ranges or the number that I just gave. And, again, they're still developing normally. This is where we, where if if I were meeting with you personally, if you had come to see me for an evaluation and if I'm working with your child for therapy, we would talk a little bit about the bell curve. Do you remember that, the bell curve, from studying that in maybe your college statistics class or another kind of class, you know, where you were really looking at... Um, normal distribution and again this is a lot more academic than I want to be on the podcast but basically let's talk about this this means that we can look at any skill whether it's talking whether it's oh gosh what our IQs are whether it's even something you know uh, more gosh More general than that, we might look at, you know, running speeds or something like that. When we analyze almost any skill, we can put it on a bell curve, meaning that there are going to be a few people, if you look at big groups of people, there will be a few people who do incredibly well and a few who do really, really poorly, and there are a whole bunch in between or in the middle. And again, what this means is unless we're Olympic athletes or Nobel Prize winners or On the other end, have a significant, severe issue. Most of us fall in that middle range for most things, and again, that's what we mean by normal, or that's what makes average, average. And so the vocabulary sizes that we just talked about, those really were for that that average range, that median, kids functioning right smack in the middle. But in order for us to look at the broad range of normal, we also have to know when it's alarming or when it becomes a red flag, or when it really leads us to suspect that there is a problem, and that you know there are kids who seem to kind of be later on everything, but when we analyze them or when we assess them overall, we still can get a kind of a bigger picture, and we know well, they're still okay, they're still kind of they're still kind of doing everything you know, still falling within that normal range. But we really, really um, need to be careful about that, again, so that we don't dismiss or overlook a kid who really needs services and we just keep kind of waiting and waiting and waiting and thinking things are all right when they're really, really not. So we can do this with vocabulary size, too. But, again, I have to emphasize that there's so many factors to be considered when we're looking at, like, talking other than the number of words a child uses. But, again, it's a good place to start. So let, let's let do it again. Remember a minute ago the the information that I gave you was for typical development and kind of that right there in the middle, that median 50th percentile of what kids were doing. So let's look at when we know a child's vocabulary size is clearly problematic. That would be, and again, this is from the Linguist Systems to Communication Milestones 2012, and lots of other agencies and organizations and even within our government use this same set of data or milestones or this list to know when we should worry. And when a kid doesn't have words by 15 months, it really is a a red flag. When a kid is using less than 8 to 10 words at 18 months, that's a red flag. At 24 months, if a child doesn't have 50 words and is not using two-word phrases on her own, or not repeating words, and again, this would be spontaneous words. We don't count words that a kid just echoes or repeats or imitates or hears somebody else say. And, again, imitation is huge, and it's a very, very important skill. But when we're really just looking at vocabulary size and design, is this kid delayed or not, those are the numbers we need to use. We need to hear something by 15 months. We need A kid needs to have 8 to 10 words by 18 months, and then at least 50 words by 24 months. Um we could extrapolate that down, too, but we're not going to do that in this show. And, again, if you have this data, I'm going to put this on the post for today's podcast at teachmetotalk.com, and this is show number 275. So if you'll go to the podcast tab at teachmetotalk.com, you know, in the banner there, find the, the category podcast, click on that, and then scroll down to show 275. I will list the the reference here and list all of these numbers so you can take a look at it if you're more of a visual person. All right, so what I just talked about then, the the ages that were real red flags, that gives us a more reliable way to look at what's expected, and it includes kids, again, who are normal but at the slower end of language development because, as we've already talked about, that's where we get that big range of normal. So I want to be sure that you're understanding um, that... Kids, again, do speak at different rates. There will be um, some kids who are going to be on the on the slower end and still be considered quite normal, quite typical. Toddlers who aren't using the words that we talked about, let's say you have a 24-month-old who has no words, You know, I don't want to scare you by implying that there's a significant or a severe problem here because, again, nobody can tell you that without spending time with your child. And it doesn't mean that... You know, a kid would be short of any of the levels that we've talked about has a definitive disability per se, but it does mean that there's a red flag there. It does mean that there's a delay, So we have to know that for those kids, they need a better look. They need somebody to look at all the factors that we're going to talk about, in addition to vocabulary size, to decide does this child need more to help her jumpstart her progress so um, earlier i did mention that there were some other factors that tell us that there's a bigger developmental problem looming beyond late talking let's take just a real quick look at those kinds of milestones by age when we see a kid at 12 months who's not using any gestures and by gestures i mean nonverbal communication like pointing like showing you objects that would mean that he or she would have a toy and walk up to you and look it right in your eyes and then look down at her toy is to say, hey, look at this, or hold it up to you or do something to get your attention, to get you to look at what she wants you to see. Another really common gesture would be waving bye-bye or shaking their heads, yes or no. Those are things that that we want to see start to emerge by the first birthday, so by 12 months. There's also – And again, this is our red flag for kids at 15 months who remember before we said we've got to hear some kind of words by 15 months, but we also really uh, worry about children who don't respond to very familiar words, like listening to their names, responding to their names, or kids who do not understand the word no. Now, let's talk about this. Sometimes we'll tell a kid no, and they go ahead and do it anyway. But we know that they understand that word because they may look at us like, hey, I'm going to do it anyway. Or they may um, pause for a second and then it's like they're almost, you know, weighing their options. They're really not. They're not cognitively mature enough to do that. But there's some kind of hesitation there that lets us know. That somewhere along the line they have they really do understand that word, they really have linked meaning or or associated that no means I better stop yet they choose to do it anyway, and again, that's kind of normal toddler behavior um but but when we have kids who who don't understand no at all, like there's no recognition ever that you're saying to them, "Don't do what you're doing that they they have no nothing makes them hesitate with what they're starting to want to do. You can tell that they didn't that word didn't register in their little minds at all. Uh we worry about that by fifteen months. And certainly a child who's not responding to his name by fifteen months, that's a red flag for us. By eighteen months again following those directions. So a kid who seems to tune out language, who doesn't seem to look at other people when they talk to him. By twenty months, a kid who's not following simple commands Go get your shoes. Bring me the ball. Put your cup here. When kids aren't doing those kinds of things by twenty months, so that's before, that's between one and a half and two, we want kids following those simple commands that they hear all the time. Those familiar things that you tell them to do over and over. When we have a kid who doesn't seem to to um, again recognize. Words doesn't seem to be able to complete any kind of really familiar direction, like, "It's bath time, let's go to the bathtub." When we're not seeing that by 20 months, we, we suspect that there's a problem going on with language. And certainly kids by two have a decreased interest in social interaction with others, meaning that they're not regularly seeking out other people or they seem to avoid other people or they seem to prefer to be alone rather than with their parents or siblings or, or familiar caregiver like a grandparent. When kids who seem to be loners like that or who seem to just want to kind of do their own thing, that's a big, big problem. And certainly by two, when we see that, we know that the, through the kids that we um, really, really, really uh, should worry about. The opposite is true, too. Even if you have a child who's not using words but is interested in social interaction, is following commands, does understand and respond to his name, does understand when you, you know, again, give them really simple directives like no or stop or look. When kids are responding to those things but not yet talking, we know there's less concern because we know that they are more, um that they're, that they're on track. It's just simply an expressive language problem. And let me just say that the children who aren't using gestures, who aren't following directions, who aren't interested in being with other people, guys, it's not usually just a late talking problem. There's usually much, much, much going, much more going on. And so we have to, again, look at more than what a kid is saying so that we know that we are taking into consideration the whole range of developmental skills. All right. Um, parents play a big, big, big role in determining positive outcomes for children, and that's what we're going to end on today. I thought we would get a little further through the information that I want to start with this series, but that's okay. That's kind of typical. If you're a long-time listener, you certainly know that. But let's let's end the show with this. We didn't really get to the list of Skills yet, and that's all right. That's what next week is for. But I, I want to end with this. And if you're a parent, I'm speaking directly to you. And if you're a therapist, let me just say this is the information sharing with parents, particularly early in the treatment process, so that everybody is on the same page. Parents play a big, big, big role. Parents play a bigger role in determining. The pos- a more positive outcome for their child than anybody else. And while you want fantastic therapists on your team, you as a concerned and committed mom and dad can do much, much, much more for your child than the most skilled therapist. And you have to know that. And we have to get parents on board. And here's where I, where I want to leave parents too. And I talked about it earlier, but I want to wrap up the show with this. No matter how far behind your child is right now, chances are good, they're actually very good, that he or she will look very different over the next year. Odds improve even more dramatically when you as a parent take the time to learn what to do so that you can help your child all day, every day. And if you've not ever heard or thought about that before, that's that's what I hope that you get out of this entire, certainly out of today's show, but out of this entire series more than anything. Many young children improve very quickly after their parents decide to provide that jump start at home. And I hear this from parents every day at com and I've treated a number of toddlers over the years whose parents have made just such a dramatic difference, and kids have made rapid progress once parents put a plan in place to make sure that they're doing everything that they can do to address a child's language delays. All right, so next week we are going to pick up with this conversation. And today we mostly did milestones and made sure that we were on the right place. But next week we're going to jump into the meat of this presentation with the skills that every single child must use before words emerge. Thanks so much for listening today, and I'll be back uh, next week with uh, that show. Thanks.